2: Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I'm so excited today because I'm actually talking with another member of C Suite Network. Gotta love it when we are able to make all these connections. But my guest today has so much great information. It's kind of hard for me to even know where to start. But I'm going to start by telling folks just a little bit about him. But first, please join me in welcoming Phil M. Jones to our program today. Welcome, Phil.
1: Hi, Deb. Thanks for inviting me on the show.
2: Great. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you. So Phil M. Jones has made it his life's work to demystify the sales process, reframe what it means to sell, and help his audiences to learn new skills that empower confidence, overcome fears, and instantaneously impact bottom line results. Author of five international best-selling books and the youngest ever winner of the coveted British Excellence in Sales and Marketing Award, Phil is currently one of the most in-demand assets to companies worldwide. Best known for his magic words, Phil teaches non-salespeople how to use specific word choices in order to influence through his infectious, cheeky, Britain persona so please join me again in welcoming Phil to our program
1: hey hey good to be here it's always funny when you listen to a bio about yourself and you're like
2: ah. I do. it's you know we're, we're always thinking oh I want to know that person <laughs> and that really is a big part of what we as business people need to do and and get over um you know we're we don't like to brag about ourselves we don't want to you know toot our own horns do all those various things and we do we absolutely have to get over that and so a big part of that is you know how we see ourselves and i loved reading your books and and i i actually have 3 of your books here so i have exactly what to say exactly where to start and exactly how to sell and A big part of the books was talking about how to overcome kind of those fears that we have. So talk a little bit more about that. Why, you know, we think, wow, we've got this great business, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Nobody wants to buy from me and all those things. How do we get over that?
1: How do we get over it? I think firstly, there's this understanding that many people, when they start in business, they become what I call experts in getting ready. They want everything in order. Everything needs to be perfect. perfect. It's just like a child that um, wants to pretend to be cooking like mummy, but not really cooking like mummy because they don't want to serve anybody any food. I think people <laughs> new in business can be like that, where they want to play shop or they want to play at it at touch. And the trouble with it is is that a successful business is an imperfect science. Right. It's full of bumps and lumps and obstacles and imperfections and mistakes and failures, and they all hurt. So I think when it comes down to um, physically diving in and, and asking for the things that people want in life, it's because they are fearful and it's because they're fearful of rejection. They mm-hmm. haven't faced a lot of rejection in their life or when they have, they haven't seen it as rejection and they're worried that they are going to get some people saying no on their way. Right. And I say to some of these people too, when they're fearful of rejection is um, the first thing I ask them to consider is, is where are there some other areas in their life that they've been rejected? Mm-hmm. and they sit puzzled for a while but then a few seconds go by and, and they realize that they were rejected last night when they wanted to go to the Chinese restaurant and that their other half wanted to go to the Italian that right. they wanted to go here on vacation and somebody else wanted to do something different or yes. they wanted to get up to xyz in the bedroom and the other person said no thank you mm-hmm. right it it it, rejection is a, is a part of life in every single way. But I think where my work comes in is my goal is to try and empower more people to ask for the things that they want in life. Because I've learned that if you don't ask, then you don't get. Yet the majority of people in business are waiting, hoping, wishing, and praying as opposed to asking for the thing that they want to be able to uh, to be able to grow or for people to say yes to
2: it's like we say you know they say in the movie if you build it they will come (laughs) and you know and and we do we think wow we've got this great product we've got this great service and it's so fantastic it will sell itself
1: and that that's nonsense It's a complete pack of lies is that things will sell themselves and even the things that do sell themselves, it's because somebody did build enough of a reputation to say that there were people waiting with bated breath for that thing because there was a history of piercing a market, growing a market, and, and, and dominating a market ahead of time.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: the iPhone 11, no doubt in some ways will sell itself because so many people have been happy with the previous products prior and there's a, there's a ready-made customer pool. But for many of us, understanding what our true job description is as business owners is, is interrupting somebody's day for long enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: to help them to realize that you might have something that can help them with a problem that they didn't even know that they had and get them to choose you as opposed to anybody else like you for that solution and pay the sum of money you've asked. Right. That's, that's what we need to do on a regular basis, and none of that is involved in waiting. That's about creating opportunities and making stuff happen for yourself. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and you just mentioned a word that I think is, is key in this and that's that we need to interrupt them because right. we hate to be interrupted, Yeah, you know, when and whatever it is, even if it's a, a great idea, we still don't want to be interrupted. Um, but more often than not, we're interrupted with something we really don't want to be interrupted by. And, and so we, we in, just immediately think of that as a negative. And then, of course, we have this connotation that sales is icky. And we don't want to be salespeople. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, nobody's going to buy from you if you don't try and sell it to them. Well,
1: I think there's a perception mix up around selling as well, is is this idea of trying to sell to somebody is, I think, part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So, Deb, have some fun with me for a second. Okay. Throw some adjectives at me, some describing words that would describe a stereotypical salesperson. Be as mean as you like.
2: Um, Pestering annoying, obnoxious, mm-hmm. unwanted, uh, oh, let's see, uh, used car salesman, snake oil salesman. Wow. wow. I know. You know. Ew, right? We right. all know. ew, and,
1: and you hear that list of words. If that list of words was used to describe you or mm-hmm. any of the listeners right now, or somebody saw those words in you when they met you for the very first time, how would that make you feel? Horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Now, what if by alternative, I ask you not to describe a stereotypical salesperson, but instead to describe a professional salesperson? How do the adjectives now change?
2: I would say helpful. All right. Um, intuitive, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, because they're thinking about what what I need. Uh, professional, you know, I probably put that one back in, in again. Um, responsible. Uh, it, all very positive words because I am thinking, wow, they're helping me. Partner uh, might be a, a good one. They're, you know, they're wanting to partner with me in, in whatever it is.
1: And if somebody used those words to describe you, how would that make you feel?
2: Oh, I'd be patting myself on the back.
1: Yeah, you'd be feeling good <laughs> about that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to me that I change one word and you change them all. Mm-hmm. And the same here is true in the world of selling, that what happens is, is, is people view it through the wrong lens. Right. So actually, being a salesperson is not a bad thing. Selling is not a bad thing. Selling to somebody is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people's perception towards what selling is, is a bad thing. Now, I promise you this from the get-go. If anybody ever says the words to you, particularly a customer says the words that you're a great salesperson, that's not a compliment. Right. It, it means you've been caught. Mm-hmm. Success in selling is really chasing nothing more than the receipt of the words, thank you. hmm that's what we should be in the marketplace of It's asking people to be able to accept your product and service, interrupting somebody's day to uncover a problem, helping them choose you as opposed to somebody like you, and chasing the result of them thanking you for the interruption that you created in their life, not feeling like they were pestered by you. This means we have to choose the right people to interrupt. It means we need to choose the right time to interrupt. It means that we need to choose the right questions to be able to interrupt. It means we need to earn the right to make a recommendation. Mm-hmm. And that's my dictionary definition of what selling really is which means we should never, ever, 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 ever invite somebody to buy any of our things Mm -hmm. until we can say these words first. And the words we should look to say first are the words because of the fact that you said. So if we could say because of the fact that you said X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. for those reasons what we'd recommend is A, B, and C, the other person is feeling like they've been listened to. The recommendations are for their reasons and not yours. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to embellish a product and service with reasons that the other person might like it. We are going out with a sniper's rifle as opposed to a machine gun. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and again, we're helping them. You know, they either have a pain and or a need that, that we think we can help uh, alleviate.
1: And there's a giant issue attached to, to even the perception of selling through the media. So movies like Wolf or Wall Street celebrate salesmanship and the, um, you know, people have achieved great results and mm-hmm. they're popping champagne and they're having parties and they're spending huge sums of money because they're celebrating the point of the transaction. And this all gets glorified. Mm-hmm. And nobody even thinks to consider actually that the person they took that money from is now without something and getting less than what was promised. That mm-hmm. for me doesn't wash in today's modern society. You cannot cheat people into parting with money and then feel good about it. Mm-hmm. They say that, you know, he's such a great salesperson or she's such a great salesperson, she can sell ice to the polar bears. That isn't a phrase that washes today right. either. That's, that's not a compliment. <laughs> no, and also you're going to wake up tomorrow being like, "Ah, I don't need any ice." If you're a polar bear, you're going to feel disappointed with your transaction. Mm-hmm. And today's market that damages reputation. The customer has a bigger voice than they've ever had before. So mm-hmm. we have to be able to understand that as 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 genuine salespeople, we should we should move where our finish line is. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just take a simple example of, say, a wedding dress shop. If you're in the business of selling wedding dresses, in your mind, what is the most important day that you should celebrate success of you doing business with a customer?
2: The day of their wedding.
1: Ah. See, that is an elevation of thought to many. The majority of wedding dress stores will... The day
2: they sell the dress.
1: Right. But the day they sell the dress isn't the important day. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if the dress performs well, looks good in the mirror on that day. It doesn't matter if the dress looks good through all the fittings that come. It doesn't matter if mother-in-law likes it. It doesn't matter if Mum likes it. It doesn't matter if best friend likes it. One of the days that matters most is the day of the wedding day. But actually, mm-hmm. you can elevate your thought even further than that. The most important day if you're in the wedding dress business is not the day of the wedding at all. Is the days that come after that because mm-hmm. one of the most important days for the bride is how did she look in the dress? Right. When is the only time she gets to realize how she looked in the dress?
2: When she gets her pictures.
1: Bingo. So if we're in the business of selling wedding dresses, the most important day that we should be in discussion with, with the bride is how good this is going to look in the pictures. And we should follow through our conversation with those people until we've got to the point that we achieve success, that the bride comes back to us and said, man, I look so good in the pictures. Mm-hmm. That's when we should be celebrating the fact that we did a job well done. Every business owner listening to this show right now should be thinking about where do they currently celebrate their finish line and have they got that finish line too early in the process? Mm -hmm. Could they be pushing it further back to a later point where they can become far more customer centric? And now wedding dress shops should be selling the idea of the fact that we make you look great in your photos. Not that we have beautiful silk and wonderful prices.
2: Well, and you're so right. I mean, for, for many people, whatever it is that, that we are selling, we do think that it ends that second that we have the money in our hand. That's the um, mistake. You know, and, and, you know, and, and that's, you know, it, maybe we'll follow through with some customer support, you know, some things like that. And, and maybe it's a product where they, they do keep coming back, you know, all those various things. But yeah, the second we have that money, we're like, okay, next.
1: I mean, like how happy would the marriage be? Between two grown adults, if the only thing that you focused on was the first date,
2: not too happy,
1: right? It'd fall mm-hmm. over pretty darn quick,
2: mm-hmm. right? And you know, and we do we want it to grow because you know, there's there's that lovely thing called word of mouth. You know, back to to the bride thing. You know, we want Happy Bride to be telling all of her friends, "Oh my gosh, you have to go to Phil's dress shop because he's going to treat you so lovely." Mm -hmm. you know and 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 maybe they only tell like two or three people but of course you know in the wedding business that's that's pretty big because you know it's not an inexpensive purchase but yeah and 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 she's only you know she might say oh yeah it was okay dress if the say if if it ended with the sale but if it really was something like you were saying that the finish line was much further down she's really going to brag and then you know hopefully the groom will say oh my gosh you know, she looked so fabulous. You need to, you need to send your girlfriend here or, or you know, whatever it is. And because it, it you know, it, it, we've got to stop thinking that, as you said, our finish line is when we have that money in our hand.
1: Right. And see, that changes the ask too. Mm-hmm. See, people are scared of asking for money. Right. If I said to you right now, Deb, you're in Atlanta, can you just run out into the local kind of downtown area. Go ask some strangers for money. I want to see how much money you can pick up. Can you just ask some strangers for money? I'm pretty sure that um, you'd feel quite uncomfortable about that that task.
2: I wouldn't do it. Right.
1: (laughs) But what if I said to you right now that there's a young baby here in New York that is desperate for a heart? There's a heart that currently fits the circumstances. It's in Atlanta. We need to raise some money real quick to see if we can get it in a helicopter, get it here to New York within the next four and a half hours. Any chance you can get yourself out and about in the local community to see if you can ask some people to help with some donations. How does that change your ability to ask for money?
2: Oh, you're out the door. You know, right. Because you, you have, again, that end goal that, that you know what it is.
1: Well, you have a reason to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. See, what many people do in their business is they focus on the dollar amount, and then what they're doing is they're asking somebody for the money Mm -hmm. for their benefit. If you can actually understand enough about your customer circumstances that you're asking for the money to help your customer achieve something that's more important than the money for them, now all of a sudden you're a savior, you're a hero. And I think that's what people need to get clear on: is it's not embellishing the features and the products of their, but that features and benefits of their product or service. It's getting clear on the result of the result of the result for your client, and then communicating towards that. Then you can ask for whatever money you would choose, Mm -hmm. providing it demonstrates value to them.
2: Right. Well, and. You know, I think so many times we we put that money first. You know, with that that money ask. Well, it's five hundred dollars for X Y Z, and what we should have done is created such a demand for it that you could tell them anything and they go, "I have to have that." Yeah. Um, and, know, and, and demand
1: uh, demand is one thing, but also outside of demand is, is even just understanding of value. Mm-hmm. Just just why right. why is that so much more than mm-hmm. doesn't mean yeah. you have to want it. Mm -hmm. And we've all spent more money on something than we said we would. Imagine a set of circumstances right now, if I had the word price written on my right hand and the word value written on my left hand, and my right hand came out ahead of my left hand, Mm -hmm. price would look bigger than value. But if I can get the value out ahead of the price and the value then there looks bigger too. Mm -hmm. So uh, the majority of businesses don't truly understand their entire value proposition. They, they don't know what's in the pot. They focus so much on the thing, not all the things that surround the thing, and they haven't yet articulated what makes them different. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do a lot of work within um, healthcare services, so mm. dentists and hearing mm-hmm. care, and, and I ask them all, so what is it that makes you different? Why should a patient choose you as opposed to somebody like you? You know what I, they all say?
0: Uh...
2: <laughs> they, they don't know what to say.
1: They either don't know what to say or here's my favorite. They come back and they say, well, it's our service. And, and then almost everybody says, well, it's our service that makes us different. I said, well, Mm -hmm. what is it about your service? It's like, well, well, we care. I'm like, well, doesn't everybody else say that they care? Well, I suppose so. They said, but we treat our customers like family. I say, really? I say, how well do you treat your family? Mm Um, 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 so, you know, if we can fail to articulate what truly goes into what people get from doing business with us, mm-hmm. we can't expect customers to be able to see it. This means that too many people focus down on the product or the specific service. And then the only thing they're left to compare us on with others is price. Right. And you don't see Wendy's trying to compete with Ruth Chris on price.
2: No. You know, and... and, and it's, it's interesting because, yeah, we do. We, we come back to price so many times. And then we come back to, well, you know, it's the easiest. You know, okay, you know, you've got Wendy's, you've got Burger King. Wendy's is across the street. Burger King's two blocks away. So right. I'm going to go to where the easiest is.
1: Yeah, convenience is going to outtrump many a set of circumstances, mm-hmm. particularly in the way we live today. And convenience is becoming a factor that drives transact. I mean, the, the entire business ecosystem of Amazon is built on convenience.
2: right. And it's so you know, that's so true. And and it's funny that so many businesses didn't catch on to that. Um, you know, they they thought, well, because we are the mom and pop shop that provides the great service, we remember your name, you know, all these various things, we will win. And sometimes they do. But you know, as as you know, Jeff Bezos would tell you. Amazon still comes out on top, um, you know, and and when the other, you know, like a Walmart, you know, people like that started doing the same thing, then they really did go, oh, yeah, you know, this this is, you know, convenience in, in a lot of cases trumps out, especially with a fairly inexpensive item, um, you yeah, but, know, but it's, and, and so how do you get past that convenient factor to stand above it?
1: There's one thing that every purchaser is looking for, every audience member is looking for, every stakeholder is looking for, and the one thing that everybody is looking for, if they're to buy an idea, a product, a service, or, or any, anything for that matter, is, is show me that you know me. Okay, that's what they're looking for. Show me that you know me. So you have to have a knowledge and understanding truly about who the people are that you're looking to serve, mm-hmm. and then you have to put things in place see Amazon wins because it's convenient but only because it understands what convenient means to its consumer base right convenience means that I can choose to order something when I'm sat in a restaurant and it can be at home before I'd be able to get there mm-hmm. Con- convenience means that I can return things without quibble convenience means that if something doesn't turn up it doesn't show up then no quibble I can go through with a you know a quick question and the, that that thing will then respond you know respond to me and send me a replacement real quick mm-hmm Like that's what convenience means to me there. But convenience to me in my tailor where I get my suits means I can shoot them a text message and they'll see me out of hours. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Convenience at my tailor means that he will have one step ahead of what I might want. And when he sees things that come out on new fabrics that might come out, he keeps them to side for me because he understands the kind of things that I like that might be unique and different. He has Mm -hmm. ideas that I haven't thought of. Um, That brings me a level of convenience that's above and beyond.
0: Mm -hmm. You'd also
1: be prepared to say, hey, Phil, why don't I bring some things out to your house? That level of convenience. Now, Amazon can't do any of those things. Right. But that is my tailor saying and showing me that he knows me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I think every given business has the ability to say, what are the barriers and obstacles that stand in the way of my customer doing business with me? How do I remove some of those barriers? Or how do I add new solutions Mm -hmm. that mean those barriers are no longer barriers?
2: And, you know, depending on what it is, it might be, as you said, you know, different hours, um, different accessibility, you know, depending on what it is. In many cases, we don't need to be where the our customer is. You know, we've got Skype. You and I are doing this on Zoom, you know, cell phones, text messages, all those various things. And, you know, we've, I, I, uh, see, uh, I see a hypnotherapist. She actually will do hypnotherapy sessions via Skype. You right. know, and, and so yeah, the the easier in many cases that we make it for people that as we said, you know, we, we like convenience, you know, and especially here in the States. I mean, you know, the easier it is, the more I like it.
1: Right. And the more we can just remove barriers. And sometimes it's a simple little thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um let me talk about the healthcare business again. You okay. Know. I, I have a, a lot of people that I work with there that they that they know that they have a big ask of a patient in that first meeting. Mm -hmm. Say, for example, a patient is coming to to meet an audiologist for their first hearing test and they're Mm -hmm. fearful of the fact that they might get introduced to hearing aids that could be a significant sum of money. Mm -hmm. Um, What is that patient thinking or feeling before coming towards that hour-long appointment? Well, they're probably anxious, they're probably nervous, they've probably got some uncertainties, they're possibly fearful. They're stepping into that appointment with a lot of unknowns Mm -hmm. and in a short window of opportunity. That professional needs to take somebody through a, a, you know, a proposed piece of, of medical care and treatment and present them a solution and ask for money and take them through this emotional roller coaster of a journey all within 55 to 60 minutes. It's a mm-hmm. lot for them to be able to do. And if you can understand that that's how your consumer is potentially feeling before they arrive towards an appointment, what could you do to be able to ease that anxiety before they even get there? Mm-hmm. What difference would it make if you, as a medical provider, picked up the phone to that patient before their appointment and just introduced yourself, answered a couple of simple questions they had, made them feel more relaxed about the appointment, made them feel more confident and certain stepping through that door for the first time. Mm-hmm. Would that improve your chance of success of getting them to take the treatment plan you hope for? Mm-hmm. Of course it makes a big difference by putting a human touch and a human step into your process as opposed to waiting for it to be too much. Right. Same can be true for many entrepreneurs in their marketing. They would uh, maybe do a direct mail piece or an email newsletter out to a small database of people hoping they might buy their new product or thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What difference would it make if you put a personal touch ahead of it with a text message or a short phone call? Phone mm-hmm. call says, Hey, I've got a really good opportunity for you. There's a piece of mail coming out for you. Should be with you in the next seven days. Keep your eyes peeled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Would that up the ante on the success of that marketing campaign? Yes. Would it show the other person that you know them well enough to know that when a piece of mail drops through the door, they might put it straight in the trash? Mm-hmm. Yes, possibly. There's a tiny little thing that I do as a professional speaker that most speakers don't. And I know that this helps event planners time and time again. When I land in a new city for an event, regardless of what time of day it is, and I've got to my hotel and I've checked in, I shoot the event planner a text message.
2: Ah, You reassure them that you're there. I just
1: let them know that I'm here and that I know when I need to meet them the next day for AV check. Mm -hmm. And every single time I do it, what comes back to me is, wow, that was so helpful. You know, that mm-hmm. just gave me some added peace of mind. Thanks for that. They've now decided I'm easy to work with. I'm a professional mm-hmm. and I know what I'm doing. And All it took you maybe a minute? Yeah, and I probably did it like whilst I was waiting in the line for them to mm-hmm. cut the keys to my room. It wasn't right. even like a an extra minute. It was mm-hmm. a minute that I would have been doing nothing that now mm-hmm. I turned into a useful action. But I, I urge every small business owner to, to look at their entire customer experience and say, where can I put pieces into this that provide Real unique pieces of difference that mm-hmm. show the other person that you know them and that you understand what they might be thinking, what they might be feeling, and that you remove some of their anxiety or some of their physical barriers. Mm-hmm. And there is what you create, um, you know, less friction. You become easy to do business with.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I was reading, you know, I, as I mentioned, I read all of the, the books that I have. And so in, in Exactly How to Sell, you talk about how to really hone in on who you're target market is, you know, and I, I hate using them, you know, because they're not targets. We're not shooting things at them to, you know, and, and, but so many times, and we've talked about this on the program multiple times, you know, you ask somebody, who's your target market? Everyone. No, no, you know, and, and, and the more focused you can get on the, the various things, the better it is. And, and, you know, the hard part for a business owner, especially somebody starting out is they're eliminating people. And so they're thinking I'm eliminating money yeah. Well, they weren't the right people to start with, you know, and, and so you eliminated them because they weren't the right people to start with.
1: The, the, there's a step that often needs to come before target market, and many uh, business owners miss this step, and it, it's to decide how many. Mm-hmm. What, how many brand-new customers do you want and in what time period? See, they forget the fact that they can choose this number, I right? hear so many right. business owners, and in my, in, in my live recording with Audible that we did recently for the, for the workshop,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I asked this question to the audience, and one of the audience members said, you know, as many as I can get, you know, I want I want all of them. And I'm like, okay, so if I send 4,332 people to your front door tomorrow, are you ready? Right. And the answer to that question clearly was zero. No, mm-hmm. no, not ready. See, we get to choose the number of customers that we would like in what time period. Mm-hmm. And that, all of a sudden, there is the gaze. For many small business owners, I say, how many brand new clients would you like in the next maybe… Uh, Twelve months. They say like forty, fifty, sixty. Mm-hmm. So great. So you realise if it's sixty, well that's like what five a month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's one point something a week. We can't do a point something of a person. So that's two new clients a week.
2: Mm-hmm. Could you could you service them, help them, whatever it is?
1: Well, here's how you then start to look for them. See, if you are only looking for two brand new people a week. Mm-hmm. Would you be you know, casting adverts all over Facebook? Would you be you know, shouting from the rooftop with a newspaper advert? Would you be dropping a direct mail on 10,000 people if you were wanting to find two people a week, or would you actively choose who those two people are, mm-hmm. build a list of around 10 to 12 people who fit that description of what you want the two to be able to do, and mm-hmm. then find a way of interrupting those people in a polite and professional manner, mm-hmm. and seeing if you can uncover a genuine opportunity. Right. There's a ratio that I found to be true in every business, and I, I write about this in Exactly How to Sell, um, and that ratio is 10-5-2. If you find 10 people that meet your target market, that meet your description of what could be a customer, and you go meet with them, and you have a coffee with them, you have a conversation with them, you have a Skype date with them, you, you, you explore a little bit about their business and your business together, you get yourself into that open discussion, you'll find five of them have a genuine need for your product or service. Mm -hmm. From the five that have a genuine need for your product or service, two will go on to be able to transact with you because the timing will be right, you'll be the right fit for them, or your price point will be right. Mm -hmm. That ratio has never changed in 21 years of me doing business. But what many people want to be able to do is they want to get straight to the two. Right. You can't. Or they want to get straight from the five to the two. Mm -hmm. You can't. You've got to get to the wider net first of people who fit the description of the type of people who could be customers, then uncover a genuine opportunity and only once a genuine opportunity arises, can you judge your sales skills that will get you to that next number
2: mm-hmm. well, and I think many people forget that out of that initial ten, you know obviously we said you know five weren't a good fit in many cases it's they're not a good fit right now and you know and 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 just because they say no right now doesn't mean that it's no forever, um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that so many people forget also, and it comes back to what we were saying at the very start. We hear the word no and we go, oh, no, I'm crushed, and, and so we do everything we possibly can to avoid that. Well, you know, in some cases, no really does mean no, you know, I, I'm not going to buy from you for whatever reason, but in, in a lot of cases, it really is just not now,
1: and there's a really empowering thought that many people can have that, that just amplifies that belief and helps you see it for yourself is, is have you purchased anything in the last 12 months that you wouldn't have dreamed of buying five years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we all have. And right. why? Because our circumstances have changed mm-hmm. and other people's circumstances are changing all the time. And that has zero to do with you, but it could create opportunity for you if you're front of mind when those circumstances change and you're the first person they think of.
2: Right. You know, I, I loved your book, um, Exactly What to Say. You have 23 words and phrases mm-hmm. that are really important for people to use. And many of them really are to deal with the people who say no. And, and I love the one, um, let's see, where, where did it go? Well, there's one, you know, what makes you say that? So if right. they say it's too expensive. Oh well, what makes you say that? Um, you know, and, and I, I love this. I just thought this was was great. I'm. This is going to be one of those books that that I you know go through many times. You know, here's another one. If I can, will you? So you know, if I can reduce the price, will you be interested? Or if I can get it to you in a timelier manner, whatever it is.
1: Let, let's let's unpack that okay. a second for the for the let's, listeners so that they can understand the the principles yes. behind things rather than just the word choices. It's, yes. Is because is there the,
2: really are great principles behind all of the phrases,
1: and, and without the principle, you can you can get lost on the surface of things. So, mm-hmm. um, who's the person who's in control in any given conversation? Y-
2: well, you want it to be you.
1: <laughs> There's an action of behaviour that people are taking when they're in control of a conversation, mm-hmm. and that action is they are the ones who are asking the questions, right? Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself under threat where somebody says, hey, can you do this for a lower price, or I've seen this down the street, and somebody says that they're doing it for less, or I want to shop around, or I need to speak to my partner, Mm -hmm. or they come back to you with an objection in some way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. what that person has done in that moment is they've taken control of the conversation. Right. Any response that you have that comes back to them with justification of why what they're saying is wrong is truly an argument. If you're Mm -hmm. argumentative with a customer, the chance of you winning that conversation slims to zero. Right. Your goal is to regain control of the conversation, and you can do this with a question. Clearly, you could come up with a unique question for every given objection that you ever have, or you could have one question that deals universally with all of them. Mm -hmm. The question that universally deals with all of them is, what makes you say that? Mm -hmm. So customer says, you know, uh, I could really do with a better price on this. You say, what makes you say that? Mm -hmm. Now what happens is they have to provide color. They have to to think about it. Mm -hmm. And and they they have to give you a better reason Mm -hmm. that helps you understand the angle. Let's just Mm -hmm. take price. Customer says, I'm really looking for a better price. You say, what makes you say that? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Their reason for asking for a better price could be multiple. It could be because I only have this amount of money to spend. Mm -hmm. It could be because I've seen a guy down the street. It could be because, well, if it's any more than this right now, then what I'm going to need to do is to put it onto some form of credit agreement. It could be that um, when I bought this thing many, many moons ago, it was a third of this price. Could be all sorts of different reasons of why somebody's raising an objection of that nature. But until you get to the heart of the issue, you have no right to be able to overcome that objection. Mm -hmm. What makes you say that puts you back in control and allows you to be able to find a scenario in which everybody wins, buys you some time and helps bring some clarification to it. Mm -hmm. If I can, will you is a conditional close. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Somebody says, I've seen this down the street and it's 500 bucks less than what you're retelling for. You say, well, if I can match that price today, then would you do business with me today? You're back in control of the conversation. right? What you don't have to do, though, is what you don't have to do is necessarily match it. They -hmm. say, well, no, I'm still looking around. You say, well, I'll give you my best price on the day that you're ready to do business. Mm -hmm. Then you don't have to show your cards. But what you could also do with that same point is if you say, you know, if I can match that price for you today, then will you do business with me today? And they say, yeah, sure. Your next step is, well, what is it about me that means that you would rather choose me than the guy down the street if all things were equal? Mm Mm-hmm. They share a list of things that demonstrate the other things they find valuable with you, which means all things aren't equal. Right. Which allows you to be able to say, "So we do all of that extra, and we're only an extra five hundred bucks." Right. And you don't necessarily need to bring your price down. You just help the other person demonstrate the value because now you've moved away from selling your thing and towards selling the gap
0: mm-hmm. between
1: your price and the other ga- and the and the other price given uh, the differences between you and them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and I, 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 like I said, I love these. I, I want to talk about some more of these and, and I'm looking through, I love the one, the good news. Right. So tell, tell us the, the rationale be- behind the good news.
1: Okay. Um, let's just first think also the, the, the one of the biggest difficulties that many people have in business is finding the right words for the right time. What mm-hmm. I've learned from training over 2 million people is that the difference between those that do good and those that do great It's the ones that really crush it. They do know exactly what to say, when to say it, and how to make it count. They know the importance of the right words at the right time. And what exactly what to say is as a book is is sequences of words that talk straight towards the subconscious brain. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Subconscious brain is powerful in the decision-making process because it has no maybe. It finds instant acceptance towards a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to be able to move conversations forward with less friction, more fluidity, and to get people towards predetermined outcomes Mm -hmm. more effortlessly. The example that you reach for towards the back of the book is the good news, and that's a label.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. We find ourselves attaching labels to items all the time, and those labels affect what the other person thinks of it. An example of where you use a label where it might be causing you some destruction or self-sabotage in your business right now is when you are labeling something as the cost of your service. Mm. When you attach the label of a cost to something, you've called your service bad news. Mm -hmm. Because is the cost a good thing or a bad thing?
2: Yeah, typically a bad thing. I mean, you well, know.
1: It, it cost me, right? If you right. say it cost me, you, mm-hmm. you know it hurt. Mm-hmm. And cost, if you look up dictionary definition, is is money out and nothing back. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody gives you money towards your thing, my guess is that that brings you some returns. If you put money into a thing that brings returns, that's not called a cost. That's called a investment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you ask somebody to invest in your thing, well, that's money that's easier to spend. You're prouder of your investments than you are of your costs. Right. So, what do we learn there? We learn the power of labeling something allows the other person to be able to process it in their own thought process and tidy it into an area that is e- either good news or bad news.
2: Right. Yeah. I, uh, I did that just now on a, we launched a new uh, service uh, several weeks ago. And where we got to the point in the website where the amount is listed, it's investment. Yeah. It's not fee, it's not price, it's not cost because you're investing in yourself and in right. your career.
1: Correct. Uh, so 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 the power of labels is is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. This means that what we can do is we can label outcomes, we can label actions or behaviors, and we can turn potentially bad news or questionable news into good news, purely mm-hmm. just the way that we respond to it. So we could say, look, the good news is is you found one of the ways that isn't right for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The good news is, That we still have more time to work on a different solution.
2: The good news is we can help.
1: Right. doesn't matter what it is, but the label with the preface of the good news is
0: Mm -hmm.
1: allows you to be able to move a conversation forward with progression. Right. And it allows you to be able to say, I'm not phased by that thing that just didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. Mm -hmm. It allows us to be able to then say, you know, what's next? How do we get to the next step? What do we do onwards from here? Um, and actually present something like that way. And you can use that with your kids and your family members and your loved ones. It's like, well, the good news is like somebody loses their job or the good news is we get to spend some more time together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's true though, right? Right. And, and at least what we're doing is we're putting a silver lining mm-hmm. with truth on a set of circumstances.
2: And we like positive as opposed to negative. I mean, you know, there are those people who just are, you know, the, the gloomy, doomy, you know, Eeyores of the world. But for the most part, we like positive, you know, and, and so if I can say, well, the good news is blah, 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 as opposed to, oh, okay, well, that sucks. <laughs> you know? Then you immediately, oh, you know, I mean, your, your whole mindset comes down.
1: Well, and here's another mindset shift that we could have to, to succeed in sales conversations as a whole, is we're not trying to stretch towards the close, mm-hmm. where the close is an ultimate finish line. There is no right and wrong in sale selling. There is no black and white. Mm -hmm. The area we want to operate in more than most is this shade of gray in the middle. And we want to be able to converse within the gray. Mm -hmm. And we want to have a finish line that's always in the future. So whatever happens, if we can keep the conversation alive, then what there is, is there's still further opportunity. The Mm -hmm. second we close, even if we close with a, yes, this is transacted upon, we're done, game over, we've just taken that person out of the game. Right. The goal is that we want to keep the game alive with everybody we do business with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and things like the good news is allows us to be able to keep that conversation in, going. You know, the good news is is that you know that we can revisit this again in March mm-hmm. when you've got new budgets available.
0: Right.
2: And you know, and and. It's exactly as you said. It keeps that conversation going, you know. And 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 maybe it's you know even if it's just the good news is we can revisit this at a later date. You right. know, then then it does. It leaves that open. And then of course you have to use the you know when can I contact you? You mm-hmm. know when when do we follow up? You know you don't just leave it hanging. Um, you know because. Then we don't follow up, um, you know. And, and as I was reading your book, of course, one of the things that struck me is, oh my gosh, this takes a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. And part of it's just in in the tone. I mean, you know, we, we mentioned the phrase "What makes you say that?" I mean, if if you say that in a pleasant tone, that's very different than, well, what makes you say that? <laughs> you know, right? right? And and so it does. It takes practice. And and people go, well, but I need to be selling stuff. I need to be making money. I don't have time to practice that. So, you know, I know you've got, you know, obviously you have your books and and things like that, but how do you, you know, how can people practice this until it really does just flow from them and and like like it is truly second nature?
1: Everything takes repetition. Mm -hmm. How do they practice? I think what they do is they look at the examples in which they can practice that perhaps they haven't considered in the past. Mm -hmm. See, every time that you're in a shopping center, every time that you're filling up for gas, Every time you're in conversation with your kids, every time you're negotiating with a friend or family member about where you want to go for the restaurant on the weekend,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: every time you're having a discussion with a, you know, you know, with a, with a loved one, mm-hmm. trying to make decisions about what you want to do with your home, like, these are all examples to be able to utilize word choices, to be able to create outcomes more quickly, more easily, in which everybody wins. Mm-hmm. So take the word choices and exactly what to say and, and plug it in and practice it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's going to sound like a plug, and it's meant with the purpose of help, is my book exactly what to say outperforms the paperback version, um, like four to one on Audible mm. um, as an ebook, as an audiobook, and and listening to this kind of information can can add to it becoming second nature. You right. talked about timing and cadence and those kind of pieces. Mm-hmm. You don't pick those up when you read it, but you do pick those up when you listen to it. Right. So I'd encourage everybody that if they're serious about utilizing language to control conversations more effectively for the benefit of their consumer, is listen to the audiobook
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and listen to it on repeat. It's not like I did that. Now I've got it. Right. It's get ready, 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 ready for the next moment on which your word choices are going to matter. Mm-hmm. Keep things front of mind, put it into practice, gain some firsthand experience and then come away from it and go, oh, okay, what did I learn? And I think your recap process is remarkably important too. Mm-hmm. And exactly where to start, I talk about the four R's. I talk about how to how to um, be kind to yourself when you're being critical to yourself. Mm-hmm. And part of those four R's is, is how to review. And what we look at is we look at two simple processes. One is called LBs, and the other is called NTs. And what an LB is, is, is what do I like best? So if you've just had an important conversation with a prospect, Mm -hmm. regardless of how it went, the first step is to say, what did I like best about that conversation? Mm -hmm. And then list it. Physically write the stuff down. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the fact that I was there on time. I like the fact that my opening went well. I like the fact that I uncovered an extra opportunity. I like the fact that, you know, we stuck to time. I like the fact that I learned about who they're currently working with. I liked, I liked, I liked, I liked, I liked. Mm -hmm. Exhaust hey, that list.
2: Stuff. I like that I found out that we like the same football team. It doesn't I mean, matter
1: what it is. Keep running, keep running, keep running. And be kind to yourself with all the things that you liked.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: chances are, if all you do is you focus on the things that you did wrong, you'll stop doing some of the stuff that's working for you today in focus of trying to get over the thing that you blamed. Mm-hmm. Also, if I say, what did I like best? It's not, what did I do right? Mm-hmm. It's, what did I like best? Right. Then you jump to second list. Second list is your NTs. And NT stands for next time.
0: Mm. What
1: I do next time? here's where you get a chance to be able to put your improvement in place Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you run the second list. The beautiful thing about running LBs and NTs is you never say, what did I do right and what did I do wrong? You're not labeling something hurtfully. Mm -hmm. You're saying, what did I like best and what would I do next time? Mm -hmm. You'll be kind in your self-talk. You're keeping that conversation alive and everything is progressive and forward-facing as opposed to labeling it in the moment. That allows you to be able to create consistent improvement. So, mm-hmm. practice and repetition. Listening to be able to fast-track repetition. Taking key conversations, sitting down afterwards, and doing LBs and NTs. Do those things properly. Commit to it a period of time, and you'll fast-track your experience. Where you might have, you know, success from a hundred conversations that you're ground in that experience as efficiently as somebody else who took a thousand conversations.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and. You talk about this in your book, and and I think this all ties back into, it's about building confidence in yourself. Of course, um, you know, and and being prepared. I love some of the tips you have in there about, you know, how to. And obviously, if you're you know meeting a hundred people in a day, it's very different than if you're meeting one or two. But to really research that person, you know, mm-hmm. and thank heavens for social media. I mean, you know, even if you're just going to somebody's LinkedIn profile, you're finding out where they went to school, you know, do you, do you know somebody at a, a, you know, that used to work in the same company they do, you know, all these various things because it, it shows you cared about them, you know, right. How many times have we gone into, you know, a meeting with somebody and when they have brought up something a little bit personal, we're like, Ooh, wow. They really did take the time to show they cared. Um, you know and, and i mean that's that's old salesman 101 type of training the old you know dale carnegie type of stuff show people that you care about them send them the anniversary cards the handwritten cards you know not the hey you know on on facebook or linkedin happy anniversary type of things you know, send them something um, because we don't get those so they stand out
1: yeah and carnegie said it best right with the precise set words he said you to make the other person feel important mm-hmm. sincerely and it's that with sincerity piece that I mm-hmm. think that often gets missed. You know, when my birthday's coming up, no doubt on my birthday, I'm going to get 452 people reach out on Facebook, wishing me a happy birthday. Many of which I haven't spoken to since last birthday.
2: I, and don't case even case. know. Cause you're just a Facebook friend, right?
1: Well, yeah. And, and maybe I do know, maybe I don't know, <laughs> mate. like depending on what circumstances, but, but if the only thing that you're ever going to do to converse with somebody is to use the auto prompt mm-hmm. to be able to wish them joy on a special day, um, then maybe it's not a special day for you to be able to interrupt.
0: Right.
2: You know, and again, it takes just a couple seconds of a little bit of research to, to do that. And, you know, and really, if you don't know, why well, wish him happy birthday? You know, it's right. like, eh, you know, and, and but, you know, maybe it's, you know, an, an anniversary date on LinkedIn. Let's go back to that example. Yeah. Um, you know, because yes, LinkedIn prompts you and says, you know, all these various things. So look at their profile real quick and actually say something about that in there or, you know, it, 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 and again, it's it's as you said, we're wanting to make people feel special because in so many ways, the world around us doesn't make us feel special. So when we do, uh, you know, when somebody makes us, we remember that, right?
1: Right. But like, look, look at this simply is if you want a tiny tip as a business owner for how you can do this more effectively, look at your customer base.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just check that you follow your existing customers on all of their key social networks Mm -hmm. and that you celebrate the good news that they are sharing in their world. Right. If you just do that and execute just that to a reasonably high standard, then you'll stand out. Mm -hmm. You know, when they get nominated for an award that you're one of the first to retweet that you're one of the first to say, congratulations. Mm -hmm. When you see them share a new product launch on LinkedIn, you're like, wow, this looks fantastic. Can't wait to learn more about it. If you are, looking to be able to catch the good news that your clients and prospects are putting out in the world, then you'll be seen as showing a genuine interest. Mm-hmm. If what you're trying to do is to plug them into your system of automation, then you'll miss the point.
2: Right. You know, and, and for the people who just thought, but Phil, that takes so much time.
1: Well, get over it, right? I mean, there's a responsibility in running a business that mm-hmm. says that if we're going to do this thing, we've got to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there's been glamorization attached to entrepreneurship over the last few years and mm-hmm. social media plays a huge part in that. But I haven't met anybody who's successful that didn't go through a patch where what they did is they put their soul on their line, that didn't work like a like a crazy person for mm-hmm. a period, that didn't get customer centric, that didn't do all the basics that they needed for it to be able to take. And here's my secret to success is to do the basics to a high standard consistently. No mm-hmm. shortcut. And that means that all of these little touch points, we need to get these done. Otherwise, what will happen is is somebody will overtake you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we live in a world right now where the old saying that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. That isn't true either. No. Because today, if you always do what you've always done, then what will happen is somebody will find out how to do the thing that you're doing and they'll do it better, faster or cheaper
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they'll eat your lunch. Mm-hmm. So we have to stay ahead and we have to stay sharp and that's part of the responsibility of being an entrepreneur. Um, and we have to do those basics. So yes, it takes time, but you have to calculate that time into your pricing. Right. You have it's to calculate part that of the cost time. of doing business. you, you betcha. And, mm-hmm. and I think you have to have the vision to say, I've got to get a return on that time back in the transactions that I'm having with my customers Mm -hmm. so that that they're paying for my marketing efforts. They're paying for my customer service efforts. They're paying for the experience that I've created, but they're seeing value in that whole thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then you can do it with joy. And I think the the other part that comes into this, I haven't got the time, is because people spread themselves too thin trying to serve too many people again. Back Mm -hmm. to that problem we talked about earlier, is if you can lock them down and say, these are my people, you can build a value proposition. You can build a service proposition. You can stay in lane and you can excel. When you're running a small business and you're trying to serve as many people as Walmart, you're going to get exhausted and mm-hmm. you're going to miss more than you hit. Um, and you're going to fail to deliver because right. it's, it's an impossibility when you don't have the resource.
2: And you'll get frustrated and stop. I mean, you know, that's just, you know, that that's it. Potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is about, you know, you've you've mentioned the word repetition several times. You know, so maybe it's that the first 15 minutes of your day and and put it in your calendar, folks, so that you do this, you know, from nine to nine fifteen, whatever, every day you go on social media, you do those quick little things, or maybe it's while you watch TV at night, you know, and, or you're in line, you know, or how many people are commuters, you know, while they're on the bus in the carpool, you know, whatever it is, obviously, if you're not, you know, you can't be the driver, but um, you know, there are plenty of times where we're sitting now, granted, we need those down times. I mean, you know, my brain needs time just to go for a while, but you know, there are also quite a bit of time where I could be, actively doing something that's not really gonna gonna do all that much but I think when we get into the habit of you know the first 15 minutes of you know every day or after I come back from lunch or whatever it is and we schedule that and we do it every day you know there was a you know the the old Mary Kay thing I went to a Mary Kay training one time and they said if you do something 21 days in a row it becomes a habit, and she was, of course, talking about skincare. But if you, you know, say you you go online and congratulate, thank, well wish every single day for 21 days. The 22nd day, you're just going to automatically do it.
1: And what you're talking about is systems and processes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sometimes where. Um, well, the listener might get confused. They might be like, well, I can't do 15 minutes every single day because on, on, on Tuesdays, I have to take Jimmy to swimming. And on, and on right. Thursdays, well, well, what I am is I'm in my day job on Thursday. So, mm-hmm. And then they go, well, I can't do it every single day, so therefore I'm not going to do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What we can benefit from, though, is, is designing a process that helps. I'm going to use the example of this interview with Hugh here right now. Mm-hmm. is I do a good number of podcast interviews. I enjoy doing it. I like meeting new people and I like getting the chance to be able to connect with listeners that I would have never met otherwise. So, so I do these for, for fun. I enjoy them. But people say, well, it only takes an hour. Or, it only takes 45 minutes or whatever the length of the interview is. And that just isn't true. Right. For me to show up in an interview of this nature, we have to have a process. Mm-hmm. I know that this was booked. What happens in the process at our end? Well, we find out a little bit more about the show and my assistant has a series of questions that she wants to get from you and we get those answered. Also, before me coming onto a show, I have scheduled into my, my diary system that my assistant plugs in for me is that she selects two shows that you've done in the past for me to listen to of your show, between us booking the interview and me coming on your show. Mm-hmm. I want to know about your style. I want to know about how you put things across. I want to know about the kind of structure that might might be something I bump into so I don't run into it blind. Mm-hmm. But those are all processes and checkpoints that then get scheduled into my world mm-hmm. ahead of doing an interview. So if somebody says, can I interview you tomorrow? The answer is no. Right. I can't run my process. Mm-hmm. And, and I would imagine everything that everybody does that's listening into this right now could put four or five steps back before that that says, these are the things that need to happen and I can schedule and make these happen like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants to learn more about systems and processes of a small business and hasn't read uh, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, mm-hmm. that's a great place to start to say, how do you actually create a business out of your expertise? How do you, you know, operate with more systems and processes that allow you to create more of, this is just how we do things? Michael's book is a great place to start.
2: Right. And you've written a book, you know, we're And we're not even really going to have that much time to talk about it, exactly where to start, yep. um, you know, and, and I like it because it talks about, you've got this big, in all caps, big idea, now what, uh-huh. um, you know, and, and it walks people through, you know, and, and it's great. I, I bookmarked this. There are six steps that, you know, people really need to stop and think about. And, and I think the problem with, you know, it's what half of small businesses fail, maybe even the stats are higher than that anymore. Because we don't take the right steps. We do think, well, it's, it's fabulous, so people will automatically buy it. We don't think, well, how are we going to pay the bills in the meantime? I mean, all of these various things that need to take place. And, you know, I, I love some of the other things. What is the worst that could happen? Right. You know, it, it's like, oh, well. And, I mean, in many cases, the worst that could happen is it, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, right. you, you got to go back into you know working for a corporate you know all of those things, but I love the one and and we've only got a couple minutes left. Talk about the one. Can I make a game of it? Because yeah, I yeah. just thought that was cool.
1: Well, I mean, business is serious. It doesn't mean it needs to be boring. It can be fun too. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise behind the book, exactly where to start, is. It's less about stopping businesses from failing. It's more about actually getting them in the game in the first place. Mm-hmm. Too many businesses um, remain ideas. I travel a lot. I meet a lot of people in airports. I chat to people in airport lounges. And almost everybody I meet nearly did something once. Right. You know, they had say this that, idea. and they
2: nearly did something once, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And they tell me about the idea that they thought about doing, and I and this is frustrating me. I'm like, okay, so so how do I get people into the game? Not necessarily get on the podium. There's enough people that have written stuff about how to be super successful at the thing. I wanted to write about how do I get you in the game in the first place, so that mm-hmm. you can learn how to be successful. And that's what exactly where to start does. But the the six points that you're running through are, are a test and a measure that before you get into the business these are some things to think about that allow you to be able to go the distance. Mm -hmm. And you talked about, you know, making it work on paper and what's the worst that could happen, et cetera. The final question that I put into that sequence of six is, can we make a game of it? Mm -hmm. Can we do something to make it fun? Can we make something that's task orientated into something that feels joyful? Can we gamify it in some ways? Mm -hmm. The simple example I share in the book is my, is in fact my book writing process. When I write a new book, I turn all of the little chapters into uh, little chapters, little stories, little anecdotes, and put them onto independent post-it notes. I make a collage on a wall, and the writing of my book is me removing the post-its. And that becomes my game of Mm saying how many post-its. My friends, family members, and loved ones that come through and walk past my office are like, hey, how many post-its did you remove this week? Oh, my gosh,
2: you're down 10. know, right. Right.
1: And that's a fun thing that everybody can be involved in the game, but I've done this forever. Even Mm -hmm. when I was at school, I didn't call my exams exams. I called them quizzes and puzzles. Mm -hmm. What can you do to lighten the load on the load that you're carrying just so that in your mind's eye, this feels like something fun to do? Mm -hmm. Like people like to go to the pub or the bar for quiz night, but they don't like to go to the exam hall to be able to take a paper. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't I just call it quiz night? Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm taking a paper and then... And then that changes mindset going into it. And I'm sure that every activity, every task, everything that everybody wants to build in their business, they could make it more fun if they thought about
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: And they could make a game of the activity that they have going down.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, in business, there are things that we just don't like to do. Yeah, I don't like to invoice. You know, I really don't like it if I have to nag about an unpaid invoice. but. You know, but I need to, and it was funny because as I said that, I thought, okay, I need to change my mindset on that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not nagging them about it. You know, maybe, maybe they had a question about it. Maybe, maybe they didn't get it. You know, all these various things. So it's exactly what we were saying all along. It's knowing what to say in order to make it a positive as opposed to you haven't paid your bill. (laughs) What can I say to make it into a positive
1: situation? Yeah, and even, you know, swap invoicing day as being like an admin day and say today is payday. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, right. And, right, you just switch those two words around. Invoice, payday. Ooh, we like payday.
1: <laughs> you get you, you betcha, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to play these games on ourselves. And, and I think as entrepreneurs, one of the hardest things to consider is, is that people only do two things in life. They do what they enjoy doing and what they get checked on. Mm-hmm. everything falls into one of those two camps. Now, when you're running your own business, the people doing the checking are like the tax office and your clients. Right. There is nobody else to kind of keep checks on you that are in an enjoyable way. And and there's nobody to motivate you. There's nobody that sat around saying, let's make this more enjoyable. Let's, let, you know, let's turn this into a game. Let's go on an away day retreat. Let's mm-hmm. provide you an incentive plan. You have to make all that stuff up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where my push comes to say is is what can you do to make the task itself more enjoyable? It means you want to do it more Mm -hmm. and we can play those games on ourselves and we can be the benefactor of playing those games.
2: Mm -hmm. It's very important that when we do something, we reward ourselves. You know, we finish a big task that we might not like. Say it's invoicing. But then maybe it's, well, okay, I did all my invoicing. Now I'm going to go to a movie. So, you know, it's it's about doing those little things that make a, a task a little bit more enjoyable.
1: Right. right. And we get to choose, that, choose those things, right? in a, In a business environment, you might have your employer or the organization itself create those incentives for you. And we're prepared to work a little bit harder for it. If a movie's your thing, then, then decide ahead of time. You know, once I've got this thing done, I'm going to treat myself. And, and, and play those little games with things like invoicing as, as to how you label them. It's not invoice day, it's payday. Whatever you can do to gamify the thing that it is that you're looking to do, to make it more enjoyable, to make it more fun, the more likely you're then going to be able to apply a better version of yourself towards that thing.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to do this because there are some things that I think, Ugh, and I put them off. I don't do them, which of course makes it even worse because then I have to spend much more time and, and all of those various things. So I love this concept and Phil, it has been absolutely wonderful chatting with you, getting to know you. I you know, definitely hope that we have you a- on again in the future, but until then, please tell people how they find you and connect with you online.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So stop by my website. It's philmjones.com. You need to use the M. Otherwise, you find a Manchester United soccer player. And um, yeah, you can find any of my social networks from my website too. come say hi. Let me know what you've taken from this kind of show. And maybe tell me some of the stories of where you put things into practice and made a change for your life.
2: Perfect. You know, and I'm going to highly recommend your books. I have read three of them, thought they were wonderful. Can't wait to go back in and really dig in and, and put some of the lessons in there um, into practice. Like I said, the magic words part. Oh, love that part. Must do that. <laughs> must do that. Um, and you know, and, and, learning how to have confidence in ourselves, all these various things that you talk about. So this has been absolutely fabulous. Do you have any final words that you want to leave our listeners with? Uh,
1: I guess now that you've asked me if I have final words, I should have at least one thing to say. And and, and I think it's enjoy not being perfect. It's give yourself the gift of failure and be prepared to go try some stuff. Be prepared to go mess some stuff up and be able to go learn at that thing quicker. Because we learn through experience. Confidence doesn't come without experience. It's go get up to your knees in it before you get up to your waist in it, before you get up to your neck in it and enjoy the lessons that come from trying things and then not working out the way you hoped they would.
2: I love it. Well, Phil, as I said, we will you know absolutely love to have you on again. Can't wait to do that. But until then, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Phil M. Jones. And until next time, everyone have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.